Listener supported. WNYC Studios. As early morning settles on Paris, we bring you now to the janitor, who, perched high on the outer railings of the Eiffel Tower with his mop, looks very much like someone who's made up his mind. I've made up my mind more than you'll ever know. I'm not going to try to go on the show anymore. What? I'm speechless? Well, come on, let's be honest. Every bad thing that's happened has happened because I wanted to be on the stage or because I wanted to be in front of the lights or on the microphone. Of course. All your life you've dreamed of having an audience. Yeah, but it's not real. It's okay, millions of people don't. And I'm not pretending I have an audience anymore either. Brave words, considering especially he spent last night singing to that very imaginary audience to comfort himself. It's a melody that came to him one day, that he often hums to himself. And in his fantasy he sang with confidence and authority, and his song made his audience happy, which in turn made him happy. This power to make happiness intoxicated him until he fell into the deepest and sweetest of sleeps. So what happened to inspire such strange new resolutions? We take you now to the apartment of Chief Stagehand Letitia Saltier as she recounts the events following our recent hypnosis debacle to her downstairs neighbor. If you are picturing a bad thing, just like make it a hundred times worse. They had to call the fire brigade to spray people to wake them up, you know, because what to uh, bring somebody out of an hypnotic state, it is water. You know, there are like a thousand people in the audience. Plus, you know, me, plus Jean Cameron, plus Jacques, and, you know, everyone there, all the animals. We were all uh, just could not move, like you can see it happening, like there was a or this fireman is going to spray me in the face like with a fire hose, you know, like it's like I cannot stop it from happening and then bang it happen. And then you are like, uh, oh, I'm all wet, you know. And the whole theater is all wet because it was a whole audience. All the seats are ruined. They are going to have to reupholster the whole place. Um, yeah, there's going to be repercussion, I think. And repercussions there shall be. Episode 7 will begin after these words. A co-presentation of WNYC Studios and Night Vale presents. You are listening to the Orbiting Human Circus of the Air. In the office of the President of the Perpetual Broadcasting Corporation, our host John Cameron is being addressed. One cannot allow a janitor to ruin an international radio broadcast. It simply isn't done. Yes, sir, Mr. President. No, John, you you really don't need to call me that. Call me President. The Mr. makes me feel so formal and stuffy. Yes, President. 
See, that's better. But really, John, the janitor must be done away with. You want him killed? Oh, this is not a joking matter, Mr. Cameron! John, if you only heard what they were saying at the club about our show... But, sir... Meredith was simply humiliated, and I... I had no place I could run to. They were listening to it in the dining room. Sir. In the card room. Sir. In the locker room. Sir. They were even speaking about it full-voiced in the library. I've never been so embarrassed in all my life. I drove off and even forgot about Meredith. I had to send Charles back with the car. That must have been difficult. It was horrible. John... You've brought us a stable of stars. You've made us the most popular show in the world. Thank you, sir. Which is why it would be so difficult to part with you. Part with me? If you cannot keep our show from devolving into utter chaos, if you cannot keep that janitor off the air... Sir, why fire me? Why not fire the janitor? Because he doesn't work for us, and you do. Besides, tower management is very difficult to reach. So many stairs. I see. But not to worry, John. The board has met and come upon a solution. I can't wait to hear it. We are going to chain a polar bear to your microphone podium to keep the janitor away. What? Effective immediately. A polar bear? A polar bear. But, sir... That's it. The decision has been made. You ah, that's can't fine. That's expect Goodbye, me. Mr. Cameron! Slamming the door behind him, John Cameron rushes out of the office. Oh, why, Monsieur Cameron? And furiously makes his way into the elevator to the street. At that exact moment, a large crate marked Polar Bear arrives at the base of the Eiffel Tower. A clawing sound from within. Letitia approaches, pushing stagehands Jacques and Pierre away and looks the crate over. Hey, hello, what are you doing? This is a wild animal. Where's the trainer? There isn't one. This is a wild animal they want us to chain up to the microphone? No, no, this is why we have union. This is why they are rule. Don't you go near it. But what are we gonna do? We're gonna leave it here? Like, like, Letitia. We got people coming yeah, in. Yeah, I know tourists. so. It's okay, I carry it up myself. You're gonna lift it yourself? Yeah, yeah. I carry it up myself. I have Antrak. Wait, what are you talking about? Antrak. He's over there. Antrak. Antrak. Oh. Hand truck. Oh, hand truck. Yeah, that's what I say. I got it. Okay, nobody else goes near this thing. The beast does not leave the crate. That is an order. Mr. Cameron will be here any minute. You boys go ready the ballroom. All right, on my way. Come up here. But Mr. Cameron is already in the ballroom. Which is why it would be so difficult to part with him. God, why do I have to deal with such idiots? Oh, God, I have a headache. Gently massaging his temples, our host, John Cameron, walks directly to his dressing room, but as he reaches it, he pauses suddenly and gasps. <gasps> In front of his dressing room door is a sealed cardboard box with Mr. Cameron crudely scrawled upon it in magic marker. Making sure that no one is looking, he clutches the package to his chest and ducks into his dressing room. Once inside, he exhales. Grabbing a pen knife, he opens the box. Don Giovanni! Oh, my head! He looks at the note. Dear Mr. Cameron, I've found you another new act. It's an opera singing flea. I think he'll be a big star for you. Love, Anonymous. Mr. Cameron crumples the note into a ball and throws it into his dressing room sink, lights a match, sets it on fire, and watches it burn. And suddenly, a knock at the door. Yeah, I told you not to smoke. Oh, Monsieur Cameron. Letitia, 
Ah, uh, here's a new act for the show. Ah, Nazarene. It's an operatic flea. Oh, I don't know how you do it. Me neither. Be careful not to open the top. Its singing is very loud. He's a flea I can handle. You should see what else goes on around here. And indeed he should. And indeed he shall. Because despite this telephone conversation... Letitia, eh? the president of the Perpetual Broadcasting Corporation, is on the telephone for you. At last. Hello. No, I have been trying to get a hold of you. I don't care if you are at the country club. No, I don't care if you are crazy himself. Come down on his rocket ship. The polar bear stays in the crate. Okay, alors, you take this thing away if you drive your golf cart to Paris to do it. Goodbye. Yes, despite that telephone conversation, as John walks to the stage, there stands the polar bear, free from its crate, chained only to the microphone podium. The polar bear? Who put it out there? Jacques, Pierre, what did I tell you? What nurse? Well, I've got to get out there. I don't know what to do. There's no time. Go, go. Go. No, no. Broadcasting from the top of the Eiffel Tower, you are listening to the orbiting human circus of the air. <laughs> yes. See, it's difficult to get close to the microphone because they've chained a polar bear to it. <laughs> ah, he seems to be quieting down. Let me see if I can get... Okay, uh, I'm, st- I'm going to... St- All right, I'm going to stay very still. Yes, we'll start things off, ladies and gentlemen, with our brand new segment, Don't Try This at Home. Gifted contortionist Emisiel Edelweiss will balance 99 dishes on his nose, standing on the back of a cat, perched atop a large helium balloon, directly above 12 nuns standing dangerously close to the edge of a swimming pool. And here he goes. 96, 97, 98! Luckily, the contortionist, being also an excellent swimmer, is able to rescue the drowning nuns and the cat. But with the polar bear free, dragging the chain attached to his collar behind him, Bedlam! The studio audience tries to flee, but the polar bear bars their exit. He watches them flitting about like so many gazelles, selects the tastiest morsel, and strikes! Barely missing a businessman in a gabardine suit. Ladies and gentlemen, please be calm. Play some music! Attracted by the music, the polar bear turns toward the stage, to the orchestral itself, trapped in its cage like a music-making hors d'oeuvre. All over the world, innocent listeners listen terrified. It's okay, darling. It's only make-believe. They're only pretending. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, at the tower... Jacques, go to the left. Pierre, go to the right. You decoy the polar bear. Decoy. I will grab his chain. Grab his chain. Don't get too close. Don't get too close. Yes, Miss Saltier. Give me the lock. What lock? The one I was locked up with. There wasn't one. No lock? Okay. Okay, allez, allez! I will grab this chain in my teeth if I have to! Grab the chain in your teeth! The polar bear hungrily reaches the orchestral's cage. John Cameron, exerting his authority as host, orders the polar bear to keep away. The polar bear obliges and begins stalking him, teeth bared, claws extended. John backs away, fearing the worst, until, emerging from an air conditioning duct beneath the stage, comes Julian, janitor at the Eiffel Tower, who walks right up to the polar bear. Julian, stay back! Getting dangerously close to the polar bear's sharp and powerfully swiping paws, Julian gets up on the tips of his toes and stares directly into the polar bear's eyes like some sort 
daughter's Fengali. My God, Listen. what are you doing? If you look deep into their eyes, they can smell what you're thinking. Julian, get back. It's okay, I know what I'm doing. My first boyfriend was a polar bear. What? Well, we weren't exactly boyfriends. What are you talking about? He used to impersonate a polar bear in an animal trainer's act. Yes, as we in the business know, most big game trainers have a costume shill mixed in with the real animals. No one ever gets close enough to see it. But what has this got to do with anything? Well, the boy didn't like me, but the real polar bears did. They love me. Look. See? He's coming down. Yes, he is. He's moving away from the microphone for you. Letitia sneaks behind the polar bear and takes the chain. We have to find a way to lock him to something. I have the lock here in my pocket. You? Yeah. You? I, it was you. I heard Jacques and Pierre say you were supposed to chain him up to the microphone stand. They were afraid, so I thought... You brought him out? Yeah. Shh. And you put the lock in your pocket. I needed to lock the polar bear up. And the lock is still in your pocket. Well, of course. So I... you forgot to lock up the polar bear that was meant to be locked to the microphone so it might by chance keep you from ruining the show. I, I didn't... It's ruined! The audience has fled! And indeed it has. There is no longer a soul left in the broadcast ballroom. Don't yell! It's upsetting the polar bear! I don't care anymore! It's all over! Feed me to the polar bear! I want him to eat me! In a mad suicidal rage, host John Cameron throws himself at the polar bear! Mr. Cameron, no! Julian throws himself between the bear and Mr. Cameron! John, get back! Letitia slaps a full Nelson on host John Cameron! Ha! Wrestling his hysterical form to the floor as the bear runs off into the wings and disappears deep into the Eiffel Tower. John, get a hold of yourselves! The show! John, the show! Look, we're on the air! Show. Look, John, there's a giant tape machine with a feature presentation on it. Push it on the stage and press play. We have to save the show. We have to save the show. A broken man, John tentatively approaches the tape machine and pushes it on stage without any idea that lying in a pool of his own blood is Julian, janitor at the Eiffel Tower, and he's really hurt. What happened to you? I did not see. Uh, we have to get him to the hospital now. Come on. Come on, Julien. She lifts the janitor and, gently cradling him in her arms, dashes out the stage door toward the elevator. Jacques, call the hospital! And in Letitia's arms, the janitor finds himself lifted and cradled for the first time since he was a child. Letitia, finding the elevator closed, makes for the stairs, carrying the janitor down them as quickly as she can. Looking up, the janitor notices that it is snowing. The snowflakes are gigantic. And the janitor feels as if he, too, were floating. Meanwhile, back in the broadcast ballroom, we find John Cameron standing at the microphone on the edge of collapse. Ladies and gentlemen, oh boy, I, I assure you that all is well. I feel that I'm about to faint, but that's fine. It's actually very fine. Now, what do we have for you now? We have, yes, of course, we have our feature presentation, and it's the moment you've all been waiting for. Yep. <laughs> yes, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to press the button now. And with that, our host, John Cameron, does press the big button. The feature back, presentation plays... So, you know those places on, on Park Avenue. Those, but those what's become of the janitor? I take you now to an ambulance, having left the Eiffel Tower several minutes ago. Inside, the janitor lies on a stretcher, clinging to consciousness and losing blood. The attending paramedic is surprised to find himself addressing his patient as if it were a small child. All right, you be good. Maybe the great recitating blood puss will come. But the janitor is not listening. Clinging desperately to consciousness with the last bits of strength he has, 
He is listening to the radio playing in the cab, from which he hears playing his radio show and its feature presentation. And as he listens, all else falls away. And she makes a Christmas for that kid like you would not believe. She makes a Christmas for that kid. The janitor, straining to stay awake, hears music. John Cameron. Well, that's it, isn't it, ladies and gentlemen? I, I bet this is it. No one's here. There's nobody here applauding, but... But I can hear you applauding at home. I'm John Cameron, broadcasting from the top of the Eiffel Tower. The orbiting human circus wishes you a good night. The show's all right, the janitor thinks. Everything's all right. And with this, he passes out. The Orbiting Human Circus of the Air is a co-presentation of WNYC Studios and Night Vale Presents. Episode 7 featured Drew Callender, John Cameron Mitchell, Susanna Flood, Dan Solomon, Julian Coster, John Zerjeski, Meg Bashwinner, and Robbie Cucciaro. The Orbiting Human Circus is written, created, and co-directed by Julian Coster. It was co-directed by and developed with Ellie Heyman and produced by Christy Gressman, with musical composition and arrangement by Thomas Hughes and songs by The Music Tapes, and editing by Grant Stewart, sound design by Eric Slider, recording engineer Vincent Cascione, and associate producer Robbie Cucciaro. The songs from this season are available on the Orbiting Human Circus EP by The Music Tapes on Merge Records. For full credits and to learn more about the Orbiting Human Circus, come visit us at orbitinghumancircus.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.